Life seems to be moving a lot quicker every single day. And I don't just mean it in terms of um how we're perceiving time living in the pandemic and stuck at home, but also in terms of how we understand how we ought to be spending our time. We think of the, like the little time that we have, we like to think that we should spend that time as productively as possible. And we and that's basically how the world seems to be operating. Everything that we try to do, we model on efficiency, on increasing productivity, on doing everything much more quickly. But in doing all of that, how much room do we have left to do nothing? And what we understand by doing nothing can mean a lot of things. And that's what we want to talk about today. What does doing nothing in an increasingly productive and increasingly efficient world mean? And is doing nothing something that we all ought to do? Like, are we supposed to take time to do nothing? Or is that just a privilege that only a few get to exercise? I'm so disappointed that you didn't start the, <laughs> you didn't start the episode by asking me what I'm doing. That's such a wasted opportunity. Wasted opportunity. <laughs> wasted opportunity. Damn it. Yeah. I I regret it. Yeah. Let's crash the whole thing start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway though, um yeah, first of all, doing nothing as a term, just think of the term doing nothing. It it almost sounds like a contradiction to me. So doing is kind of active and it's like it's an active action to do to do what to do something but then you follow that with nothing there's some kind of semantic dissonance there don't you think it's like it's almost like uh what's the word it's like an oxymoron to do nothing but by doing nothing are we really doing something and and what does it even mean to do nothing i don't know yeah you know i i've always thought of that like and i i keep thinking about this a lot and like i like think think this through with me right which is can we ever like do nothing like you said so suppose we say that we're in a meditative state we're still doing something which is we are meditating um if you say that you're not doing any work um you're still doing something else right and what if and let's just suppose that you're lying on your bed and um and have a blank mind you're still doing something just by virtue of you physically existing in space and time so to me it, it always it makes me wonder whether we can like like you said semantically ever claim that we're not that we're doing nothing and that that always like um <laughs> uh confuses me yeah it messes with, with and, my mind <laughs> yeah it definitely does yeah and also um what you started with uh the question of having to constantly do something to make our time quote unquote productive right and i find that even with me the case is often that 
um so i'm in college right now you're in college right now i'm guessing this is the case with people you know in university across uh the world and also i guess employed people who are, who have a uh a consistent job i suppose right so there's the work hours where they are meant to be productive i guess economically where they are supposed to serve um serve their company get profits what not i'm doing a horrible job of explaining this but bear with me like they're, they're doing that right and us in university we're doing whatever is expected of us like studying um writing assignments learning essentially but but then when we have time off say an hour a day two hours a day i often find the need to do things that that i like but but then i end up feeling guilty because those things might not always be uh the most intellectually stimulating thing i don't know if that makes any sense like it uh, how do i explain this well even after i finish all my you know university work and what not i feel compelled to pick up a book about i don't know like some kind of remote philosophical idea or pick up some uh, i've been meaning to read for example uh, an inquiry into the uh, nature and causes of the wealth of nations by adam smith and like things like that i feel I, i feel compelled to pick up things that is generally considered um you know good reading or intellectual stuff i don't know if i butchered this explanation but i i guess you know what i mean yeah and i think to a large extent we all feel that right the the desire to to want to do something um and that doing something isn't enough it needs to be a qualified doing something something that we can see bringing us um a very tangible return on our investment and that investment is the time we're pouring into that doing um and with a lot of like productive activities like in in your example reading a book or reading um about the wealth of nations by adam smith the the return in in like your investment if the time you put into that would be knowledge and also this this feeling inside right this this feeling of um contentment that you've spent your time productively you've spent it in a quote unquote worthwhile manner and that's that's the drive behind wanting to do something and not just to do nothing um and that's i feel like to a large extent something we all face so i don't i think you've done like <laughs> you explained it fairly well in in and it's in it's also this conflict right this internal conflict we feel um where we try to justify spending time not doing anything that is productive we feel the desire to to be lazy or to relax or to do something that has no real uh i don't know benefit like i don't know just sit <laughs> uh at at the corner of your bed and just stare at the ceiling just do that but inside we feel this need to pull ourselves away from that desire and do something with our time that 
we won't feel bad about in the future. Um, and that's pretty interesting too, right? The, the idea of feeling busy, which, well, I guess this would be a good time to, to mention it, what the, the doing nothing that we're going to be talking about in this um, <clears throat> episode um, are two articles from The Conversation, which is a media uh, a journalism website. Is that right, Shish? Yeah, you could call them journalism. They um, they publish articles on various topics. It's a lot of it's a lot to do with philosophy, but it's also more general everyday stuff. Um, I mean, they call themselves academic rigor, but journalistic flair. So think of them like like a a journalism company that publishes academic stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so the two articles were uh, that we read for this episode are by. So the first one is. Um, doing nothing is all the rage is it a form of resistance or are we just or just an indulgence for the lucky few which is an article by uh, ingrid nelson who is the associate professor of english um, at amherst college and the other one is in praise of doing nothing which is an article by simon gottschlag i hope i'm pronouncing that right who is a professor of sociology at the university of nevada las vegas um and so the reason i brought this up is um, I wanted to mention this one one quick line from uh, uh, Professor Gottschlag's article, uh, which is towards the end where he uh, talks about busyness, which is that um, we mistakenly assume that those who are very busy must be involved in important projects. And this is a mindset that I'm very attuned to, and I hate that about uh, the kind of mindset that I have, which is that I, is, I equate busyness with, um, I guess, worthwhileness. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I, Shreesh, help me out with a better word. But the, the do, do you have a better word? No, no. I was just going to say, like, dude, I agree with you completely because it's so hard to even put yeah. into words because the words that we're using themselves kind of betray an understanding that we we think certain things are worthwhile and certain things are not worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's so hard to explain, and this mentality of, um, I, I guess, also um, the envy that comes with um, looking at busyness as worth as being worthwhile, um, and, and the envy I'm talking about is when I see other people be busy. I, like I said, equate it with um, them spending their time productively and them doing great things. Uh, and then I I wish to to do those things. I wish to be busy uh, and to do something. And then I force myself and then get into the cycle of wanting to do something and then, um, you know, being distressed about not knowing what to do. So it's all of this is really, there's just so much to unpack and so much to think about in terms of doing nothing. And it's so confusing and something that we all, perhaps are experiencing more so at a time like this. Yeah, I just want to spend a couple of minutes on uh, uh, what we brought up at the beginning, which was the semantic possibility of actually doing nothing. And I want to connect that to, to everything that you just said, right? And to do nothing has been relegated to the realm of... Um, almost like a sin it's it's bad to do nothing and by doing nothing uh, i think we can reconcile 
the the seeming contradiction within that term doing nothing uh by by thinking of it through a hyper efficient hyper productive um lens that that uh, that is that exists in the world that we live in and by doing something one would typically think of doing something with one's hands doing something you know tangible material um writing something or or making something uh something like that whereas doing nothing would be as you've very lucidly pointed out laying on your bed staring at the ceiling or something like that and those two things in this world at least are are not compatible with each other and funnily enough uh nelson mentions in their article that uh, and this is a direct quote doing nothing is even being called a new productivity hack aligning the practice with an always on culture that seeks to optimize every waking minute how bizarre is that how bizarre is that really like especially during the pandemic right a feeling of i guess i could call it well uh, i'm looking for a good word i guess i could call it decomposition a feeling of decomposition has set in when i'm not doing something i feel like i'm decomposing when i'm not doing something and it's it's very hard to convince myself or i'm i'm guessing it's very hard for one to convince oneself that doing something does not necessarily involve using the hands or the body or even any significant amount of mental space you don't even even thinking could be considered doing something productive but you don't really need to think to be doing something productive and i feel like we've begun equating doing things with being materially or monetarily more importantly monetarily productive right uh but yeah you're uh i think that's also exactly what this article is trying to question is the form of doing nothing that i have described merely a privilege for the few people and i would i would definitely not dispute the fact that i am privileged uh to a large large extent yeah we are privileged you're right you're right about that and we're privileged in multiple ways uh or multiple levels i suppose for lack of better words uh because of our gender class caste um and like our economic um standing and our ability to afford things and all of that has also allowed us to talk about just doing nothing and that itself is um quite a bit of privilege and that i think is also interesting in terms of understanding who gets to who gets to do nothing and who allows others to do nothing and i'm thinking specifically in the context of like a capitalist system where our time and the way we spend it and the things that we worry about in terms of productivity in terms of sustaining ourselves in terms of our own desires and aspirations a lot of that is controlled by our working conditions and so that's pretty interesting to me to to like think about what conditions allow one to to do nothing so i was reading this um i think i was browsing either of two subreddits i think it was either a boring dystopia or r slash boring dystopia or r slash um um late stage capitalism and so there was a post by which was like 
a, I think a Twitter screenshot, which was somebody commenting on an article by the Reuters about how um, because depression rates are skyrocketing, there are there's a need for better drugs, better drugs to deal with depression. And the, the tweet below that was um, people don't really need better drug, drugs for depression. What people need are better living conditions and better uh, a, a better economic system because a lot of the time they're just worrying about how they're going to continue to live and sustain themselves that they don't have and because of all that worrying they don't have time to um time for themselves and time for their own well-being and that that kind of also makes a lot of sense in the context of um how in the us over the last few weeks a lot of people who work as uh, servers cashiers line cooks um a lot more other um jobs at uh, fast food restaurants especially uh they quit because they weren't getting minimum wage and extra benefits and seeing that uh seeing that mass you know uh quitting <laughs> uh seeing people leave in such uh, a large number of companies started to uh, increase their minimum wage and offer better benefits and so then the question becomes to do nothing and to have the privilege of doing nothing, do we begin to to think about the economic system? And is the economic system that we're all living in the only thing that um, we need to change if we need to address the, the privilege of doing nothing? So if we right now are privileged in being able to talk about doing nothing, and if we're privileged in our ability to do nothing, what do we need to do or what needs to be addressed so that everybody has the ability to do nothing it's so ridiculous dude it's so so ridiculous like trying to cure um depression or rather trying to address this capitalist uh system right trying to cure the capitalist system by making better drugs for depression like what the hell it's like trying to it's like trying to cure a uh it's like trying to cure a bullet wound with fucking band-aid or something it's it's so stupid and i just want to say two things right like <laughs> let's just take a step back and i want to um i want to talk specifically about the thing that you said at the end with this this uh privilege that we have to talk about doing nothing what do we do with it so let's take a step back there and let's think of it in terms of say free time um rather than doing nothing let's just assume that there is some time to be used and what do you do with that time and that's where i think uh two of the concepts in ingrid nelson's article become really important and these are some uh these are roman concepts i think in ancient roman concepts or something like that but before i get to that i just want to set the context using something from uh got got i'm just going to say simon you know what yeah simon using simon's article uh there's something about the force yeah, of acceleration the... and in and this acceleration is specifically in reference to like technological development um scientific development so on so on right so according to 
uh, as in Simon says that according to Simon says <laughs> I can't believe it I just I just memed this episode Simon says so Simon that says a, that was a pretty good one <laughs> yeah inadvertent though uh, Simon says according to German critic th- critical theorist Hartmut Rosa technological acceleration has driven the pace of change in social institutions and not the other way around and the other way around is how i would assume that it would be right rather than societal changes calling for accelerated technological changes on the basis of need which is what should be the case technological changes seem to be forcing society to change in a certain way and at a certain rate and that somehow ends up feeling unnatural to a lot of us and i can't comment on the rightness of that obviously but that is the case that is what's happening and it has been pointed out multiple times of course now coming to those two uh, you know roman concepts the ones that um nelson points out are the these things called otium and acedia i hope i'm saying those right right so otium is what what is known as uh, quote unquote civic minded leisure as in leisure time that you use um for the benefit of uh civ- well, of society at large okay and this needn't necessarily be immediate this could also be i guess a gradual process of personal fulfillment leading to societal fulfillment and acedia would be sheer laziness like sloth the the aversion to doing anything whatsoever and the question then is and the question that you asked also uh is whether um otium is really virtuous and acedia is really vicious and what obligations do humans have to society at all whatsoever i was trying to i was trying to understand those concepts as well um like the the idea of otium and um when um i forgot yeah sorry nelson yeah <laughs> when professor nelson is talking about um otium and uh what otium meant in the ancient roman context um they say that otium was disparaged as political disagreement disengagement sorry that threatened the stability of the republic um and that also kind of makes me think about right now which is if um we think of taking time out and spending leisure time on our own as political disengagement um is that what we're doing to destabilize the the world right now so in the free time that we have um uh, the question also then arises is it a part of our duty to use um that free time in political engagement and an engagement with um social causes that uh we should be talking about or social issues that we should be talking about because if uh because i mean thinking of ancient rome um thinking of otium as political disengagement that threatened the stability of the republic uh you would also think that that might also be the case right now which is if taking time out to you know 
time out for yourself means not engaging in the political context are you doing something that you're that you should be doing are you are you are you doing something that you ought not to be doing that's also pretty interesting in the in the context of um being apolitical which i'll bring up later but what do you think of otium as 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 what professor nelson writes as being political disengagement yeah but dude don't you think that um well don't you think that the fact that otium is uh, the fact that we have the ability to engage our uh, otia otiums otia i guess uh, in ways that we want uh, is itself a political statement so how i understand otium is it's quite an abstract term but i i feel like it refers to the time that one has to do whatever one wants and this is different from negotium which comes later will i'll just I'll, i'll i'll talk about that in a bit but otium is the time that you have to do whatever you want when you don't have obligations per se like immediate material obligations i suppose um to other people now this could be i don't know eating drinking partying reading thinking whatever so so to have that otium in the first place and to engage with it is itself a political statement right so you're saying that you have the ability to be leisurely don't you think so how is i mean what kinds of political activity are you referring to then when you say that you one must spend or one need not spend uh their otium engaging in political activity when otium itself would be a political concept yeah that's a that's an interesting like question but it makes me it makes me wonder right which is there are and and this uh professor nelson mentions this in the next uh paragraph as well which is that a lot of others also tried to make this distinction between uh the otium of study from other indulgences like drinking and sex um and so when you have like the the privilege of having otium i i hope i'm saying that right that of course is political right because you you do have the privilege of having the free time of spending it however you want but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're engaging in all things political or all things social like suppose suppose you are um suppose you distinguish otium as the otium of study and indulgences like drinking and sex the people who uh, aim to support otium and to you know paint it as something that serves society would say that the otium of study is uh, philosophy politics um all of that which could help ensure peace in society and you could basically give back but what about otium um of like drinking and sex of indulgences like that doesn't necessarily seem like it's contributing directly to conversations about inequality justice 
of um, democracy or of political systems or anything of the sort of injustices. Um, and the only thing political in the OTM of indulgences is just that you have the privilege of having that, of having that free time. So that's what I'm confused by, or not confused by, I'm, I'm like thinking about. Right, sure. Uh, but but see, the thing is, I also, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I also feel like there's another angle to this, which is, which is that how far back does the chain of productivity go? Right. So the question is, what is material productiveness? So to use a very, I guess, stereotypical example, even though I don't agree with it, would I be justified in saying that I am playing video games all day today for the benefit of society tomorrow? So think of, say, playing video games. See, again, I'm going to reiterate, I don't agree. I think video games are great, very useful, but, you know, just for the sake of argument. Uh, could I be justified in saying that by playing video games today, I'm benefiting society tomorrow? And if we, if we consider that example, like video games, as an OTM of indulgence, then would I be justified in saying that? Because maybe I'm playing a video game today and I have this really bright idea because of playing the video game and then I end up curing cancer or something, right? I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a leap, but I guess it works for the argument, which is that which is the question of how far back the productivity chain goes. Um, so that's one question that I had, and second, um, there's this particular line also from from the article, which is probably the most interesting line to me of the entire article. It goes, it's hard to tell from the outside whether idleness is hedonistic or edifying. The fact that we are having a discussion on whether um, hedonism or say the otium of indulgence is bad betrays an understanding that hedonism is in fact bad isn't that a circular argument don't you think like we're saying that uh hedonism is bad for society because it's bad for society and that's why an otium of indulgence is bad or i wouldn't say bad maybe not, i mean neither of us are saying that it's bad but rather that it's less materially productive yeah that would be a better way to put it could you could you repeat that point again yeah, so what I was saying was, this is probably the most interesting line uh, from the entire article for me. And it reads, mm -hmm. it's hard to tell from the outside whether idleness is hedonistic or edifying. That is, um, it's hard to tell uh, at first glance whether be doing nothing is uh, can be considered an OTM of indulgence or an OTM of what is the other one intellectualism like what is the opposite of an otm of indulgence the other one like a good otm okay um by by having this discussion itself by having um yeah by having this discussion aren't we assuming that well hedonism is bad or even the author of this i, I feel like this article is written uh in, in the mindset that hedonism 
is bad because the author makes a contradiction between hedonism and edification whereas hedonism is itself uh, uh a serious philosophical position to hold so by assuming that one of them is better than the other your entire foundation for your argument or i guess the author's foundation for their argument itself is is telling of what they hold to be virtuous and vicious right so who is to say that hedonism is indeed bad or an otium of indulgence is indeed less materially productive and again i'm referring to the video game example that i gave earlier huh that's interesting i i actually didn't read any um value judgment in that line because to me it was just a question of whether um idleness is a well, idleness is carried out for one's own pleasure or and for the sake of pleasure or if it's carried out for some uh, intellectual or moral gain and i don't see that there's a a a natural moral judgment or a, a not a moral a value judgment in there unless we feed it in ourselves because to me it's a pretty it's basically the conversation that we're having with the example of the video game anyway right which is if you're playing video games are you playing them for your own pleasure or are you playing it playing them for uh an intellectual reason or for uh, an intellectual cause and that's basically the the thought of thought here as well right you because it's it's hard to tell like like you said in your example as well maybe that uh that playing of the video game could i don't know help me cure cancer again big leap but for the sake of the argument so you can't tell whether that idleness is edifying or is hedonistic because even if um you're taking or being idle like take academic sabbaticals for example even though they might be considered hedonistic like for like one's own pleasure and for one's own um i don't know uh pleasure i suppose or it can be considered edifying which is that you're taking a break for your own moral and intellectual development that will eventually go on to benefit the and improve the work that you do uh in the future right so it's it's hard to tell whether that um that idleness that you undertake or that um doing nothing that you undertake is hedonistic or edifying so i don't i don't necessarily see uh, a value judgment in a hedonistic idleness being not worthwhile whereas an edifying one being so but tell me why you think that tell me uh, tell me more about why you think that there might be a value judgment here i think that there is a value judgment here because of the way that um hold on let me think of how to say this best i guess most succinctly uh most efficiently okay. yeah most <laughs> yeah make the most of my time and not not do nothing and beat around the bush 
yeah uh i think that this value i think that there is a value judgment here because of two things so first the the use of hedonism versus edification and those two being presented as opposites because the term used is idleness as hedonism or edification and not either uh, and not both sorry yeah and not both because i wouldn't disregard the possibility that hedonism could be edifying in itself or edification could be hedonistic right so that's where i think that there's a value judgment there by the contrast and that value judgment or that contrast is made more powerful because of the way we understand the word edify today uh edify by nature or by the way people use it generally i'm not one for dictionary definitions but i'm going by how people use it generally it's to improve something intellectually or morally or whatever um and to present an improvement as a contrast to something else would make me assume that that something else is not an improvement and that's where i see the value judgment coming in does that make sense yeah i see i see what you mean like um yeah i i guess the the second point um sits with me a lot uh more strongly than the first one which again i would just grant as um as just like a charitable reading of maybe it, it's it's in it's or in the logical like the classical logical way of or the way we use or uh, the disjunction uh which is that both can be true at the same time which is that your idleness can be um hedonistic and edifying at the same time but maybe in 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 the way we use the word edifying is being something that brings about um prog- progress intellectual or moral then um there is room to read in um a value that's assigned to um the word edifying so yeah i see what you mean um yeah i do see what you mean but okay keeping keeping that in mind what do you think of the conversation we were having about otium as as being political so you correct me if i'm wrong but or or remind me rather that you said that otium itself is political whether it's um whether you spend that otium um as i don't know uh, in in indulgences or in study right yeah yeah it is yeah right so tell me a bit more about that because suppose that um idleness or otium in this case is or in fact you know what um suppose that there is uh it's acidia which is sloth um i think um, the way professor nelson says it, uh, says it is the division of idleness into beneficial otium and reprehensible acidia elicited new critiques in the industrial era 
So using those terms in the context of the industrial era, like sloth, acidia, um, would you consider that to also be political? Um, and to that also be like, like, um, I don't know, would you, what, what, would you assign um, any sort of value to acidia uh, in the context of um, having the privilege of even having acidia for, I mean, of, of having acidia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And yes, the answer is 100% yes. Because um, let's look at exactly what's written. The medieval systems, and this is about halfway through the essay, I guess. So Nelson writes that the medieval systems of vices and virtues condemned sloth. Now, if we equate sloth with acidia, and that's, I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's how it's meant to be understood. Um, so if we equate acidia with sloth, I might be wrong, but I feel like the whole idea that laziness is bad comes from obviously capitalism, but also from something that precedes capitalism, which is religion and particularly Christianity. And I'm not sure if the other monotheistic religions have these, this concept, but Christianity, I know it does. Uh, the seven deadly sins and sloth is one of them. So we know that Christianity is so pervasive and religion as a whole is so pervasive. I mean, what am I saying? Christianity, sure. I mean, this is an ancient Roman concept, so we know that it, it, it precedes capitalism. So we know that Christianity and religion is so pervasive and religion as a whole, um, you know, influences a lot of things. So I wouldn't discount the possibility that that's where it originated, right? Uh, moreover, it's an, it, it's, I, I feel like it's another testament to how religion and capital are linked. So religious institutions like the church and temples and such, they are also capitalist institutions and there is no escaping that. So we're seeing a trend where neither religion nor capitalism allow one to be truly lazy or, um, or you know, God forbid, unambitious, like unambition. Unambition is like the, the, the crime of, of that deserves punishment to hell or something like that. It's so having acidia itself is also a political statement in my opinion because it, it to have to have the possibility that you can just not do anything uh, or to be to, to feel sloth would would be political if we understand it as a similar um in a similar light to Okay, let me rephrase. It would be political if we understand it similarly to the way we understand not doing anything in an OTM. But it would not be political if it stems from a more existential uh, part of oneself, which is, I guess, existential boredom. And sloth needn't necessarily be um, active. It could also be a... a an existential boredom or a or a severe state of just not feeling, you know? Hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to understand, which is um and so even though many Romans like um kind of shit on Otium 
um, calling it like disengagement uh, and threatening the stability of the Republic. Would you would you say the same about Assidia? And would you say that in the context of it being a political statement, especially uh, in, in terms of the recognition of it being a sign of privilege, that you're privileged enough to have the sloth and, and have the, the room to be lazy, would you say that it's something we ought not to have um, and that we ought to spend our time in a better way? Because I'm trying to think of it in in terms okay, of... Okay, okay, one sec, sorry. I feel like, okay, I feel like I was a little unclear. So let me just clarify. I feel like we don't have a choice mm-hmm. with Assyria. I feel like Assyria is the laziness that you can't help, like a, a feeling that you don't really want to do anything, nothing at all. Whereas OTM, uh, um, you could choose to be lazy when in your OTM. Like you could, ha- you have the choice not to do anything in an OTM, and that's the that's where the politics comes in. Huh. I see. But would you say that in in if Assidia is not a choice, that Assidia is born out of human nature or out of the privilege one has? That um, since you have the the opportunity to sustain yourself and live comfortably, uh, and, and that you don't have to worry about surviving every day, that allows you to be lazy and that that it's uncontrollable? Or do you think that, um, I don't know, that it's just a part of human nature that regardless of the privilege, of course, privilege is a big part that everybody feels a city, which is why it, it has no, or we have no business uh, assigning moral value to having a city or not. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the latter. It, it's it's a part of human nature, and I don't th- I don't think you can say. I don't think OTM and Assidia exist uh, entirely at different times. Like they they could exist together also. Um, you know, it it's. It, I don't see them as like constant or all pervasive uh, states of being but rather as specific moods, right? That's how I see those uh, two concepts. But now I think it's important to clarify the the concept of negotium, which I brought up earlier. And I think this, it might make our understanding of this whole thing a little better. So OTM is the time that you have to do what you want to do. A CDR is like, sheer laziness, motivation to do nothing at all. And negotium is the time that you spend doing your everyday tasks, like everyday duties of sorts, you know, like, um, I guess, brushing your teeth, uh, doing your daily job in today's world, having your nine to five capitalist job. So that would be negotium, like your everyday responsibilities. And now we know what OTM and the CDR. So I feel like OTM is just the time that you spend being neither in negotium nor in a CDR. So that's your OTM. And what you do with that time 
is what you use to make a political statement, right? Because you can't really negotiate. So negotium gave rise to the word negotiate. That's where it comes from. Uh, so you can't really negotiate what you do in your negotium. It's like your everyday responsibility. And acidia, I feel like, I, I think it's, you know, it's not a choice. It's It's part of human nature. Then we have OTM remaining, which is the topic of discussion, which is what do I do with this time that I have? Yeah, so that that really is the question, right? Which is now we have OTM. And so what do we do with that? We know that OTM is um, everything we do beyond our negotium and acidia. And so the question now rests on OTM. And to quote Professor Nelson, and just because you can do nothing, should you? And that, I think, is a question we're going to explore a lot more in the next episode, because we still have uh, a few more things to say about um, Professor Nelson's article and uh, quite a bit to say about um, Professor... Hold on, I got this. Gottschalk, Gottschalk, Professor Gott... Hold on, I got this. Professor, <laughs> I should I should I should have just done what you did. Got, yeah. got I should have just done what you did, which is call call them Professor Simon. But no perseverance, uh, Professor Kotschok. Yeah, I think that's it. I got it. Um, yeah, you <laughs> oh, got yeah, it. We have a lot more to say about. Thank you. All right, love that. Uh, <laughs> uh, about that article. So yeah, we're we're gonna uh, we've taken up enough of your uh, OTM. And we're going to take more of it in the next episode. Yeah. To do or not to do, that is the question. Come on, laugh. Are you really going to leave me hanging? Okay, fine. It was a bad joke. (laughs) I was... uh, See, I actually did leave you hanging, but I could just say that I was muted. (laughs) I laughed so I can get away with laughing. Yeah. True, true, true. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's about it. So we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.